Amen, amen, and welcome. Glad to have you here today. I'm glad to be back. I was visiting family in Tennessee last week, so it's good to be here today, kind of starting the new year off right last Sunday and then going into this week. And today, if you are new here, we're glad that you're here worshiping Christ with us. And we always uh, would encourage you to stick six, stick six weeks with us so you can get to know us as a church a little bit. We get to know you. But you picked a great week to visit because this Sunday we're, we're looking at the vision that we believe that God is leading us to in 2023 as a church. And so you're going to need a copy of God's Word and go ahead and make your way to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And then you'll also need one of these uh, vision guides or booklets that hopefully you grabbed on the way in. We're going to talk through that um, as we walk through God's Word today. Um, and as we look and plan and pray towards 2023... I don't want us to forget to pause and to look back and to be grateful for what God has done in 2022. God has been faithful, and we sang about it in the song, that God is faithful to every generation. And he's been faithful for the last year in 2022. He was faithful 100 years ago and 1,000 years ago. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and praise God for his goodness that he never changes. And so be excited about what God has done, and I pray that today you'll be excited about what God may do in and through us as a church. Now, thinking back at 2022, there's several, several things that we could pause and thank God for. I mean, God did a ton of things in our church family over this last year. I, I praise Him for how He has provided for us as a church. From the small group leaders that we have that have faithfully served over the year, our deacons, our administrative team members, God provided for us this last year in amazing ways through the leadership we have as a church and as a staff. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for how God led and provided in that. But God also provided for us financially this past year because of your faithfulness to trust the Lord with your finances. We're able to meet and exceed our budget in giving this last year. So I'm thankful for that. And um, we should be more excited about all these things. Can we just clap and thank God for that? And it's okay to clap here. It's okay to thank God for his goodness and what he's done. Um, God provided open doors for us this last year in a number of places. Some that you've heard, some that you may not have heard of yet. But we were able to get into two schools this past year to serve, not just at our City Serve Kids, which we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, regularly throughout the month, we have people from our church that go out and provide supplies for our teachers in these schools and to care and pray for the administrators there. We're extremely grateful that God has opened up um, those two schools, and it looks like, by God's grace, he's going to open up possibility of two more schools for us to serve in 2023. So we're excited about that. Also, because of your faithfulness to give, we're able to support more missionaries than we've ever supported as a church, at least in the four years that I have been here. Um, our, our goal is that we take the gospel from neighborhoods to nations, and we've been able to do that and continue to be able to serve our neighborhoods by serving local schools and also providing for missionaries around the world. And then another one that I'm thrilled with is this past year, we've had multiple people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. And the encouraging thing for me is that it's all generations, both young and old, we've seen people come to faith. And it's interesting because statistics would say that um, if, if you don't come to faith by age 18, then 
then you may never come to faith in your life. But we've seen God in his power and his might and his mercy rescue and redeem people from, from all ages and stages of life. And so we're grateful for that. I'm also very thankful for the open door that God has provided. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago at our church business meeting, but through Cabarrus Development Center, we got men there that serve week in and week out, some that are there actually right now for these um, minors who are um, in, a, in, in a cell right now um, that are hearing a message on Sunday morning from our church, and God opened up that door and has provided the men in this church that are going there and serving and the men that are there this week. And I would even say... Um, I know this is going to be in the future because they're actually listening behind us, but if you are there watching us from uh, the CDC, we're grateful for uh, what God is doing in the Cavaris Development Center, and we're praying for you guys. We love you. We're glad that you guys are tuning in. Um, so we're grateful for all of these things that God is doing, and God has also provided for us in a number of ways where we're going to be able to expand missions this year through trips, through our financial giving, but also we've prayed for this for years through possibly sending a missionary to help start a church in Morocco where there is no churches currently. So let's just praise God one more time for his goodness and his grace. Just grateful and want to be thankful for what God has done. But as we look towards 2023, uh, what I want to do is try to sum up where I believe that God is leading us in 2023 in just one word, and then we'll spend the rest of our time unpacking that. But the one word... One desire I have for us as a church, and we as a pastoral team have for us as a church, is that we would pray. Pray. That's the, the one word I want us to focus on for our vision in 2023. Now, I, I want to make sure I'm really clear with this. We're not changing our mission statement. Uh, if you grab that booklet, you can open it up and you can see that there, after a little note from me, you've got our uh, mission statement written down. That is not changing. We at West Coast Church, we exist to glorify God by making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations. That is not changing, and the reason why it's not changing is because that is the great commandment and the great commission reworded. This is, that's God's desire for every church. And so that's not what's changing. What we're doing is we're taking time to focus specifically on growing this area of prayer, both privately, personally, and corporately as a church so that's what we're hoping to do. So does that make sense? We're not changing this mission statement. We're just focusing in on growing. And the reason why we want to grow in prayer is because we know that apart from Christ, we can't accomplish this. We cannot do this without the power and the spirit of Christ working in us. And so we want to be faithful to pray, which is what leads us to Psalm 127. Now, Psalm 127, to me, has uh, probably more than any other verse in the entirety of Scripture, shaped my prayer life and shaped my ministry life. And my prayer and my desire for us as a church is that as we unpack these two simple verses, that it would help shape and cultivate in our hearts, our minds, our lives, a heart of prayer. And so I hope that it shapes your life like it has mine so let's look at what God's word would say to us today in these two verses of Psalm 127. It says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Would you pray with me? 
merciful and mighty God, you are what we need. We confess that our efforts are not enough, but your grace is more than enough. Lord, we ask in your grace that you would keep us from vain striving and replace that vain striving with restful trust in you. We ask for your grace to help us to listen to your word today. And as we listen, God, help us to understand it and apply it. Now let me invite you to pray that something similar, that God would help you to understand his word and that he would help you to apply it to your life today and also in the year of 2023. Would you pray that right now? Would you also pray for me as we look at God's word, as we talk about where God has called us and where he's leading us, that God would be able to speak clearly through me and that I would be able to put his will and his focus for us straight in front of us that we would follow it faithfully. Would you pray for me now? Lord, we confess as we start a new year, and as we look at a new vision, that we don't know what this year holds, but we know that you hold it in your sovereign hand. So would you lead us, and would you guide us, would you cultivate us in us a heart of prayer, that your kingdom would come, and your will would be done in this church for the glory of your name, and it's in your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, as we look at this passage and as we walk through our vision guide today, I want us to intentionally look at two questions and then one statement, okay? Two questions and one statement. And the first question is this, why should we pray? Now, uh, I hope you weren't blown away with the vision of pray being the one word because God calls his house a house of prayer. This should be foundational. But we have to ask the question of why should we pray because the reality is, whether we want to admit it or not, we struggle to pray. Even if we're like, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Yes, I know Jesus. We struggle to pray. Because years ago now, uh, God really disturbed my heart for the lack of prayer in my life. For both myself, my family, and my ministry. Like God just kind of shook me up and disturbed me in that. And I had a friend named Brent that, uh, one of the greatest prayer warriors that I've, that I've ever known. He prayed faithfully and he said he came across this stat um, that at that time, this was years ago, like I said, but at that time, the average American pastor, pastor, spent five minutes in prayer a day. Just five minutes in prayer. He, he went on to share, because he was a pastor, and if our pastors are struggling to do this, we're trusting more in ourselves and our abilities than we are in the Lord's might and his power. And I would say if pastors are struggling to carve out time when it's their job to pray, how much more the rest of us, right? How much more are we struggling to, to pause and to pray? And so, yes, it might be simple to say prayer, but it is powerful. And understanding the reason why we should pray will help stoke the flame in our hearts and in our minds to pray to the Lord. 
And I believe Psalm 127 is that stoker that's going to stoke the flame of prayer in our life. You see, it doesn't even use the word prayer in that whole section. And yet, if you understand the truth and the reality of these two verses, it will change your prayer life. It will transform it. It will make it deeper. It will make it broader. It will make it wider. Understanding these truths. And the first truth that we, that we see in here of why we should pray is because our effort is not enough. Our effort is not enough. That's what these verses are telling us. Now it's using different words, but I'm just me summing it up. It says, unless, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I mean, it's so important to have the Lord because without the Lord, it is all vanity upon vanities. He says, unless the Lord builds the house. Now, when I say this, this truth that our effort is not enough, I'm not downplaying effort. Effort matters. This is not a sermon of I'm going to just kick back and be lazy and do nothing and just expect God to do everything. And so I'm just going to be lazy at home and eat my chips, like sit on my couch. That's not what I'm talking about. What it's saying is our effort is not enough that we can't will ourselves hard enough to build something that will last apart from God. We can't try to guard and keep protected all the things that we have apart from God. Because unless the Lord does this, everything we do is in vain. And so we can work and we can build a house and we can strive and then finish our life and come up empty. We can finish our year and come up empty apart from the Lord. Because Beginning of verse 1 is telling us that truth, that this blessing comes from the Lord. The blessing of being able to build something of worth and value. It comes as the Lord builds the house. But it's not just blessing that comes from the Lord. It's also security that comes from the Lord in the the second half of verse 1. That's what he's talking about when he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You know what a watchman would do at that time? He would, it was his job to get out on the city wall, and he would look on the horizon, and if there was a mob of troops that were coming, a soldiers, or they're coming to invade the city, it would be the watchman's job to cry out and tell everybody, grab arms, get ready to fight, because here they come, to shout and to warn and to cry out. Or if he saw a storm in the distance, he would cry out and tell people, there's a storm coming, take refuge in your house. That's what the watchman would do. That's what security and hope people had is we got a good watchman that will tell us if something's about to happen. And this passage is telling us you can try to protect your bank account. You can try to protect your relationships. You can try to protect all these things. You can stay awake all you want to, but unless the Lord watches, watches over it and keeps it safe, safe, it is all in vain. It's all in vain. This is showing us how fragile we are. We think that we have all this strength and might and power, and we really are fragile people in desperate need of the Lord. If any of you watched the football game uh, last Monday night, you, you saw the reality of how quick life can, can be shaken. Uh, a man who's strong in his prime is out there playing football and tackling somebody else and ends up in the hospital and within minutes in critical condition. You see, we think that we have effort and power and might, but this passage is telling us, We are weak and we are frail apart from the Lord. Apart from the Lord. 
And we can spend our lives building, we can spend our lives watching over what we have, but it is all in vain apart from the Lord. Now, it says it three times in here. It says it three times. Vanity, 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 or vain, vain, vain. It's important for us to understand what it means. Because some of us might sit here and be like, Ryan, I hear what you're saying, but I've like, I've built a pretty good house. Like, it's a nice house. And I've built a pretty good reputation. I built a pretty good job. Like, I've built all these things. So you're telling me this morning that unless the Lord builds it, I, I labor in vain? Like, don't tell me I can't build a house. I've already built one. Look. Well, verse 1 is not telling us that you can't build a house. It does not tell us that you can't watch over what you've built. Do you notice that? You can build a house. These people built houses. You can try to watch over your city. But unless the Lord is the one that's working and building, then it is in vain. So yes, you can build a reputation. You can build a job. But apart from the Lord, it is in vain. Now, what does that mean? And how is that fleshed out that we would say, I've worked or I've labored in vain? Because I don't know about you, I don't want to waste my time, I don't want to waste my energy, I don't want to waste my efforts, I don't want to work in vain. I pray that often, God, may I not work in vain. I think vanity can come in a number of different ways in, the, in how we work. And we can work to build a house and never ever finish the work. That can be working in vain. I mean, for some of us, we have this great dream and this great vision, and this is what we're going to accomplish, and this is what we're going to do in all of our effort and all of our strength. And what we might find out real quick is, man, I've labored and I've built some things, but God has not allowed me to finish the work. For some of you, that would crush you. It would crush you not to have that vision or that dream fulfilled. And that's what God does sometimes. Because he's not in it. You're building not his kingdom and his will and his way. You're building your kingdom, and God doesn't allow you to finish it. I mean, we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We look to the Lord and we're like, if this is your will, God, then, then may it be done. And this reminds me of James chapter 4 where James, the author there, writes and he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a town and we'll spend a year there. And we'll trade and we'll make a profit. See, this person is so confident. My effort and my abilities, this is what I'm going to do. And then it says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. It is all in his hands. It's all in his hands. And so understanding this truth from, from Psalm 127 and James 4, it should draw us to pray. God, I can't do this on my own. I want to build a house. I want to have safety and security. But I know apart from you, it is all in vain. And so, Lord, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, would you do that? So we can work and labor in vain and never finish the work. Or maybe we get to finish the work and we build the house and it doesn't last. It doesn't last. And you can build the house. You can build it. But many people have built a house and seen it collapse almost overnight because of the poor foundation. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7. He says, a foolish man built his house upon the sand. Did he build a house? Yes. He built it on the sand. 
And then when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, we can build. And all the, the uncertainty of life, all the hardship of life, all the, the winds and the rain and the floods of life can come in and literally remove all of that. And we look back and we're like, man, I labored for all that. I built the house and now it's gone just like that. That's what it means to labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, it will not remain. It will not remain. Another way that we can work in vain is ultimately we work and God does not allow us to enjoy what we work for. Ultimately what we did is we built a house of tragedy. Some of you have lived enough life to realize that. You've worked hard and you've built houses and they have failed you. Houses of tragedy. Because they haven't fulfilled you. They haven't satisfied you. You've built it. You, you reached that dream. You reached that goal. You built that house. And now you're like, oh gosh, but it didn't satisfy. It didn't bring the, the peace and the rest that I long for. One of my most fearful passages in the Bible to me that I find most fearful is Ecclesiastes chapter 6. And if you're not uh, familiar with the Bible Ecclesiastes is a book that basically talks about life and the purpose of life. There's this man, Solomon, that lives his life pursuing ultimate pleasure in all these different areas, from fame to wealth to relationships to, to knowledge. I mean, he pursues it all. And it's interesting. He gets to verse, or chapter 6 of Ecclesiastes, and he says this, this sobering picture. He said, a man to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy it. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. If a man fathers a, a hundred children, if you have the family that you hope for and you dream for and the kids you have, you have lives of many years is what it says, and days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Man, that's a sobering verse. But it's talking about somebody who labors from himself and labors in vain and builds all of these things. And yet he tries to do it apart from God, the one who gives pleasure and gives joy in these things. But when you try to do it apart from God, you find no joy. You do it with God, you find lasting joy. So understanding those truths should, should lead us to pray. God, I'm trying, I'm working hard, but I realize I'm working in vain unless you are working, unless you're moving, unless you're building, unless you're watching over this thing. And here's the joy. This might have been pretty harsh so far, but here's the joy. It's in the next verse. It says, it is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep, rest. You see, this is an invitation for you and for me. Some of us are working so hard to build that house and to find that pleasure and to find that security. And God's like, if you'll come to me... All that anxious bread that you're eating up, I'll exchange for the bread of life. All that worry and anxiety you have in your soul, I'll exchange and I'll actually give you rest. 
You'll put your head on your pillow at night and you'll find sleep and not anxiety. Man, how much do we want that? How much is our culture longing for that? We're trying to go to bed at light at night filling our, our minds with all the vain things that we're striving for instead of resting in the peace of God. If some of us would just lay down our kingdom and pick up his kingdom, we would actually find rest. We would find sleep. And my desire is for us as a church to sleep better than we've ever slept this year. Not because we're trusting ourselves, not because the stock market bounces back or the economy goes well or we have the friends that we wanted, but because we are faithfully praying and trusting in the Lord to do what we can't do. So we're not going to be filled with anxiety of, man, did enough people like my post that I posted up there? Man, am I going to get that promotion? Am I going to get married like I hoped this year? Am I going to have the kids that I eventually dream and hope that I have? Those are all good things. And bring it before the Lord, but rest. Rest in Him. May this year be filled with prayer that leads to rest. May our pillows, as they hit as our, our heads hit the pillow at night, be filled with prayers to God, praising Him for who He is and what He's done, and how He builds the house, and how He watches over His kingdom. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to pursue. That's the hope that we have. Now, for some of us, you're hearing this prayer thing, and you're like, Ryan, I don't have that problem of like um, the, the, the pride issue. You know, like I don't really have that when it comes to prayer. I'm just so busy. I just don't have time for prayer. Like, I know I need prayer, but like, I, I just don't have time for prayer. Well, prayer or prayerlessness can show us the sin of pride in our heart, that we're trusting our own efforts more than we're trusting a God. But prayerlessness can show us many, many other sins that are in our hearts and our lives. In your handout, you'll see this quote from, from Greg, Greg Nicholas in here. And this is a, a quote that I found about the same time as I was talking to my buddy Brent about the lack of prayerlessness that we find in uh, our pastors in America. And what's fascinating is this, this guy, Greg, writes this, uh, this statement, and it really highlights the sin of prayerlessness that's in our hearts. And let me just say this. Before I even read this, this can sound really harsh, but we need this reminder. We need this truth in our hearts and our lives. This this quote right here sits on my desk, and every day when I come in, where I set my iPad down on, has this quote behind it. So this is not just for you, this is for me and all of our staff as well. And this is what it says. A prayerless person is an ungrateful person because he does not thank God. He's a self-righteous person because he doesn't confess his sins to God. He's a self-centered person because he does not ask God to bless other people. He's a presumptuous person because he does not pray for his daily needs. He's an irreverent person because he does not praise God. And he is unfriendly to God because his prayerlessness evidences that he does not enjoy being with God. Man, and that's a, that's a sobering statement. But as I read it, I find so much truth in my own heart when I don't pray at times. It's because I find these different sins that are within my heart, whether it's the sin of pride of like, no, I don't believe Psalm 127. I can do this without the Lord. Or it's because I don't have a heart for other people to pause and to pray that God would bless them as he is moving and blessing me, right? So God is calling us to prayer. 
Proverbs 27 shows us our need for prayer and even the promise of rest for those who will trust in the Lord and pray to Him. So this leads us to the second question. We answered the question of why we pray, because He's the Lord and we need Him. We desperately need Him because apart from Him we work in vain. But the second question is how will we pray? How will we pray? Now as a church in 2023, what I hope is that you grow in your personal, private prayer life, absolutely. But I want us as a church as well to grow corporately in our prayer life. So how are we going to do that? How will we pray as a church? In this booklet, you'll see the blue area at the top of the next page. One of the greatest ways that we are going to pray is on our Sunday mornings. In this coming year, it says that we have 52 Sundays where we're going to corporately meet together to pray and to worship and to hear from God's Word. Now, here's the good news. This coming year, we actually have 53 Sundays. So you get a bonus Sunday, okay? Do not waste these days. And if we actually pause and consider this, 52 days? We have 365 days in a year. We have 52, or this coming year, 53 days together as a church to pray together, to worship, and to hear from God's word. This is important, church. And what you're going to find is as we gather together on Sunday mornings, we're going to help, help to cultivate this prayer component. So our services, we do this sporadically in the past. Where we'll take time to actually pray one or two minutes and pause and let you pray. What you're going to see is there's going to be more of a regular rhythm in 2023. We're going to pray for things each week. We're going to take time to pause in this room during the service to allow you to pray to the Lord. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm going to pray. Great, great, because we're going to have on the, on the screen bullet points. If you don't know what to pray during those times, you can pray through those bullet points. And I hope that that will give you ideas and spark ideas for you to pray throughout your week for these different things. I mean, this is meant to cultivate corporate prayer and also personal prayer. And so this is extremely important. And not only are we going to take time to pray each week, we're actually going to do sermon series on prayer that's coming up here. Next week, we're starting with the Lord's Prayer. The disciples come in, and they're like, Jesus, you got to teach us how to pray. We don't know. And Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer teaching them how to pray. And let me say this. If you're here and you haven't prayed in the last three months, we are glad that you're here. We're extremely glad that you're here. And this year is not to be intimidating to you, whether you haven't prayed in the last three months or you've prayed three hours every day the last three months, we hope that this year will help you take a step of faith to grow in your prayer life. And so this is meant for every person within this church. And so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, intentionally how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And we're going to spend about six weeks or so walking through the Lord's Prayer to see what Jesus would say to us on how we should pray. And I hope that helps cultivate and strengthen your prayer life. Uh, fast forward a little bit, you get to the summer. We're actually going to take our summer this year and go, uh, how do you pray the Bible? What does it look like to pray the Bible? What's interesting is this Bible, yes, it changes and cultivates our lives, but you can look at, at different passages in the Bible, different prayers that you find, and allow that to, to change and shape your prayer life. Or you can actually look at different passages, and those passages will shape how you pray. It's, it can be really, really helpful when you're sitting there like, I don't know how to pray for two minutes. I don't know how to pray for three minutes. This summer, as we walk through praying the Bible, it's going to help you know and understand, man, if I don't know where to start, where do, where do I begin? 
What are some passages to help us pray through? So we'll spend eight to ten weeks or so looking at those passages. And then the kind of bookends on either side of these is after the Lord's Prayer, we're going to go through a survey of 1 and 2 Samuel, looking at prophets, priests, and kings. Some of these guys uh, labored, but to build their own house, they labored in vain. Some of these guys worked faithfully and had faithful prayer and sought the Lord's kingdom. We're going to see kind of this rise and fall of these different kings and prophets and priests that we find in 1 and 2 Samuel. And then in the fall, we're going to slow down and go through 1 Peter, which is about the living hope that we have. Our hope is alive. It's not dead. It's not stifled. We have a living hope, and that living hope shapes our prayers and gives us hope in our prayers. And so I hope, I hope that you will be here for these 52 weeks as we walk through these different things to help grow your prayer life for the Lord. You also see in that blue box that we have 33 weeks or 33 days of small groups to cultivate biblical community. Now, I cannot express the importance of small groups. If you have only been in here for church and you sit in rows, I'm glad that you're here, but there is so much more waiting for you. There is so much more waiting for you. Our small groups here, you're going to meet with people who want to pray with you and for you. Some of you are like, I'm just trying to, to you want me to pray, but I need people to pray for me. You Then get involved in a small group, people that will do life with you, to walk with you through your ups and your downs. And this year, it is never going to be easier for you to get started in a small group. We have tables all around our worship center here, all around it. And after service, you're going to have small group leaders that will be waiting at each one of these tables to talk to you. To just say, if you have questions about small group, what it looks like, where you meet, what time, what day, they are here taking their time to be at both services because they want you to be in a community where you'll grow in your prayer life this coming up year. And as we walk and meet through with these communities, you're going to see that our, 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 our small group guides are going to have prayer focuses on how we're going to pray and what it looks like to pray. And so as you get involved in these communities, it's going to cultivate your prayer life. It's going to help shape you. Our small group leaders have already heard about this prayer focus. They know what's coming. They're excited, and they're actually asking you today as they stand here to come with them. You don't have to go alone. You don't have to just do private prayer. Go corporately as well. And I found that spending time with other believers actually shapes my prayer life more than I ever thought it would. And so be involved in a community. Take time to, to learn about these small groups and get connected right after service today. Now on here, underneath that, you'll see important dates of 2023. Now some of y'all are those, I just take it a day at a time. And some of y'all are like, I've planned out my life through 2027, okay? So for those of you that are like, this is just one week in my time, I, I, I'll figure out next week, and then just try to bear in for a little bit because I want to talk about these. And for those of you that are five years out, God bless you. I'm glad that you're here. I hope these dates make you feel good, okay? So you have all these dates that you find down here. Now, there's a couple reasons why I want to put these dates out here. First, is I want you to pray for them. I want you to look at these dates down here and be intentional to pray over these things. And when you look at Spring Fest, and if you're not familiar, this is a time where right before Easter, we're inviting our community to come here on our campus to share a meal and just to hang out. This is a time for you to pray for that event, for those that will be visitors here. But also, maybe you intentionally pray for your neighbors and people that God might be leading you to invite what it looks like just to have a taste of Christian community on that day. And so pray for that. 
You'll see things like CityServe here and CityServe Kids. This is going to remind you to pray for our neighborhoods and pray for the community that we're serving in. But also, as you look at these different dates on here, I'm asking you to take these and to put these on a calendar, to be intentional to be here. These are not a ton of dates, but these are important. We as a church staff, we do not just take it a month at a time, get out our dart and just like throw a dart and like, okay, it needs to be on that date and what event, okay, we're going to go on this side, all that event. No, we try to intentionally plan events around y'all's schedule and what we feel like you guys have going on in your lives, but also that are intentional for what's going on in our culture and the world around us. So even with City Serve Kids, we picked that date because we know school's about to start back up. And we want to love and serve our teachers and our community by picking that date. And so what I'm asking is for you to take these and to put these on your calendar and plan around them. Yes, I'm even saying to take your, your, your calendar when you look at your vacations and say we're going to plan our vacations around these dates. Because we want to know what's going on in our church. We want to be a part. We want to pray for it. We want to be committed to serve in these ways. I'm not bashing a vacation. I just came back from one. They're great, right? But I'm asking you to be intentional to be at these so that we can have the greatest impact for the kingdom of God through our prayer and through our focus and intentionality. Now, with these dates as well, I want to highlight a couple of them because with these, you're going to find that even these events were shaping to, to cultivate your prayer life. So we see that Easter is on April 9th. It's funny we have to say that. They move Easter every year, right? Like sometimes it's in March, sometimes it's April. When is it? I wanted you to know it's April 9th, okay? And we're going to provide a, a little a booklet for you, uh, 40 days of prayer leading up to Easter. Now this 40 days of prayer is going to be prayers, literally you just open it up and you pray it for that day. And these prayers are Puritan prayers, and if you don't know who Puritans are, guys that lived hundreds of years ago, loved the Lord, but if you ever saw like a drawing or picture uh, they always look mad, although they weren't. You know, they, they're kind of people you look at and you're like, they're mad like because somebody else in the world is smiling right now. Like they're mad like that. But they weren't. <laughs> these, these Puritans were amazing lovers of Christ. And they wrote these prayers that, that I read often. I was even reading some today that will challenge you to pray in deeper ways. You'll read through it and you're like, I've never even thought about praying for that. I've never even understood how to pray for that. And, and I hope that those 40 days leading up to Easter, you're praying each day one of those prayers or using it as a guide to help you pray so you're growing in your prayer life. Another date that you'll see down there is our Mission Focus Week, the end of September, the very beginning of October. What we want to do leading up to that is to challenge you as a church, us as a church, to spend 30 days of prayer leading up to that. We desire to impact the neighborhoods, but we also desire to impact the nations because that is God's heartbeat. His heartbeat is for the nations. And so what we're going to do, I'm excited about this, is we're going to have 30 days in this little devotional for you that you'll open up and you'll hear from some of our missionaries from our church that are on the mission field right now. They're going to write devotions for us and some of the, the wisdom and thoughts they have around prayer and how prayer shapes their life as they live on mission and how it's to do the same for us, to shape our life as we live on mission here in our neighborhoods for the glory of Christ. So we'll have several devotions in those 30 days from our missionaries, from our church, and others that we support. But we're also going to have some of those kind of heroes of the faith, some of those great missionaries of the past, the devotions that they have written that you'll get to hear, maybe some names you've heard of, some that you haven't. But you're going to be able to read some of those devotions and take a moment to pray for 30 days leading up to our Missions Focus Week, that God would do amazing things through our church for the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. Okay? 
So those are some amazing ways that, that I want you to pray for and to plan and to be a part of. Now, one more thing that you'll see, turn the page, you'll see a survey on here. You'll see a prayer survey. This is something else we want you to, we're asking you to do. This is, this is not a test. Hear me say it again. This is not a test. This is not a test. This is not a test, okay? God in his word calls pastors to equip the saints, the believers, equip you for the work of the ministry. And what we're doing with this survey is we're going to text you this afternoon, uh, all of you that are partners here at West Bears Church, we're going to text you. This quick survey should take you 30 seconds to a minute to fill all these things out, and it'll come back to us anonymously, and we're going to be able to look and kind of see where we are as a church, because we want to be better servants of our church and better equippers of us as we try to pray more diligently and faithfully in the coming year. And so this afternoon, this afternoon, you'll see a text come through. Just take some time, fill out this survey, be intentional to help us serve you well, because we want all of us, all of us to take steps of faith to grow and to love Jesus Christ more through our prayer life. Okay, you with me on all that? Now, I have to say this, because it's extremely important. Uh, we can talk about prayer, and we can talk about the importance of it, and it is important. But hear my heartbeat. I am not looking this year to create a bunch of legalists. It's not my desire. It's not our staff's desire. It's not our desire. We are not looking for people to say, well, I've checked the box. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. My prayer is that we wouldn't become legalistic with our prayer, but we would pray because we love Jesus. That we love Jesus. Because we can work even in vain in our prayers if it's for our name's sake, right? No, we, and the only way that we can come before the Lord seeking him in prayer for his will to be done in his kingdom is because of what Christ has done for us. Church family, this is so important. Our prayer is an overflow of our love for Jesus because Jesus is the one who has made the way for us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us. You'll see the, the verse on the screen, but it says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the statement. This is why we can pray. We can pray because of what Christ has done for us. How he came from heaven to earth. How he was tempted in every way that we are tempted in. Every way. And yet he was without sin. And then he would be not just the high priest, but the high priest who would lay down his life as the sacrifice in our place. And the Bible tells us that because he did that, the, the veil between man and God in the temple was torn from top to bottom. So now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Church family. We aren't looking for legalists. We're looking for lovers of Christ. Ones who see his great work and what he has done. And so we pray that his kingdom would come. And his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we want to do to remember that truth today. To start our hearts off right in prayer in 2023. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper. 
What the Lord's Supper is, is this is a reminder for us. Many things, many things. One of which is our ability to be able to come and approach the throne of grace. Because Christ is the high priest who came and stood in our place. In order to make a way that we could come to God. And so I would say, if you are a believer, if you are a believer today, then take the the Lord's Supper with with great confidence because of his grace and his mercy that was poured out at the cross for you. But you may need to, before you take the Lord's Supper, when I give you time to pray, to pause and maybe you need to pray through some of those things in that prayerlessness quote that you've seen in your own heart. Whether it's self-righteousness or ungratefulness, but Pray to the Lord at this time, maybe confessing some of those things and thanking him for his goodness and his grace for you to make a way that you could pray to him that he would hear. You can pray that with confidence. And then we'll take the Lord's Supper, the assurance of your forgiveness of sin. For some of us here, maybe you've been gobbling up that bread of anxious toil for so long. Maybe that's why you're even here today or you're tuning in online today. Because you have felt the vanity of working and living for yourself, and you have come up empty time and time again. I'm going to give you a moment now to pray and ask that God would save you. To look at what we're about to proclaim as believers, that his body was given for us and his blood was shed for us. And you confess, Lord, I know that I've sinned in these ways and I've pursued this vanity. I need you. I need you. And he will exchange that bread of anxious toil for the bread of life for you. So maybe you take this minute or so that I give you to pray and confess him as Lord, trust in him. Maybe you still have questions. And I would say if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ, then do not take the Lord's Supper today. Let it pass. Don't take it. Maybe you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ and what it means he gave his body for you and his blood for you. Good, I'm glad you have those questions. We have people in the back at Next Steps that want to help you take that next step of faith and answering some of those questions about what it means to love and to follow Christ. But if, but if you're here and you're ready to make that decision, then in this moment of silence, pray that God would save you and then take the Lord's Supper with great joy. For those that know him, let's take this moment of silence to pray, confessing our sin and praising him, faithful to forgive us. Let's pray now.